And it's wonderful to be here. It's a miracle, I would say. Uh, and uh, as, uh, when, when Janne came, actually he was one day in, in first, I think, first of May, the year before or something like that. He was in Uppsala and he was um, teaching about the ministry gifts. And I was not able to come and I was so, you know, very, very frustrated about that. But then he came one, one night uh, and just uh, came up there. And you could see that, you know, the glory of the Lord over him, actually. Um, and uh, what he said was this, well, uh, I will, uh, I will uh, tonight I will speak about um, ecclesia and koinonia. Uh, and, uh, or, or to be more uh, correct, I will actually speak about koinonia. And, you know, he began to talk about koinonia. And I just found myself uh, crying. I was just sitting there crying because, you know, this has been my hunger for koinonia uh, and, and to see ko real koinonia. Um, and uh, then I, as, as he said also that, well, maybe it was a Monday night. And I think you said that, well, I'm going home on Wednesday morning or something like that. And I thought, I have to meet that man. I have to meet him. I have to meet him. And I said to Gunnel, <laughs> Tommy's wife, I said, eh, I just have to meet Janne. How can I meet Janne? Because, I mean, he's going home soon. Well, he's actually coming for breakfast to us tomorrow. <laughs> and I said, can we come? <laughs> and you don't do that in Sweden, you know. <laughs> Even if we are good friends for many, many years, you know, you, that's what, what you do, you know. And then uh, we came, me and my wife, and we were sitting there for four hours. Frederick was also there. We were sitting for four hours just sharing and sharing and sharing. And, and this was the beginning of our love relationship. So that's really wonderful. I'm very happy for this, happy for what the Lord has done up till now. I've also been visiting Porto Alegre. Had a fantastic week together with the brothers there. And I got to know some of you. And... And Jan was uh, fixing everything all the time, so I felt like really spoiled, you know. <laughs> Honestly, t tonight I will preach something, and I, I really want to confess. Now, you should always be afraid when people say that they are humble, you know, because some politicians say that, well, I'm very humble, and, you know, <laughs> now he's going he's to fool us. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually very humble. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm, you know, I'm the new kid on the block. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you have so much experience here. I hear Janne sharing. I hear uh, Jerry sharing. And, you know, wow. What did I understand 2001 when Jerry was here speaking to the others? Nothing. So, uh, but anyway, um, the Lord says to me, I should be bold with what, what I have received. So I would do that. And actually, I will actually share something about the church, about Ecclesia. I, I rather say ecclesia than church because when I say church, we have a picture. Immedi immediately we have a picture inside church, and that's cultural. We have a lot of cultural pictures, but we want to know what Jesus meant when he was saying, I am going to. That's what actually says in the Greek. I am going to, it's a future tense. I am going to build my church. And what does he mean with that? What is the church? And I think it's, it's, it's a privilege to speak to you. And I'm, 
I'm very honored to be able to speak to the men of God who are kind of standing there in the ministry. Um, and uh, I, I got a, a picture one time, you know, I was in a part of a, another church many years ago and I came to a prayer meeting on a Sunday night. And I saw that, why is it so empty in, the, in this prayer meeting? Because it was so empty. And this was many years ago in our old church, you know. And, and, and the Lord asked me, do you want... He, the Lord showed me a picture. Uh, it was a body, an x-ray of a body. So I saw the, saw the bones, the skeleton in the body. And the Lord asked me, do you want to become a part of the skeleton in this church? And I had understood that we who are in the ministry... We who are in the fivefold ministry, we who are elders or deacons, whatever we are, we are the skeleton in the body. Without the skeleton, I mean, if you look at my body, I mean, it's, you know, actually, you also saw, I also saw on that uh, x-ray that, you know, the body is, is skeleton, it's muscles, and also it's fat, you know. <laughs> Some people are just hanging there, you know. But it's better that they hang there than they hang in the, in the bar or something. So some people are just hanging there, you know. So anyway, I saw this, and, and the Lord asked me, do you want to be a, 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 bearing, a bearing part of this church? And I said, yes. And then the Lord told me, become an usher. And then I was uh, ordained, uh, Lutheran minister. I was a theologian. I was, usher is a, a helper, opening the door and a doorkeeper. So the Lord just wanted to train me, you know. Anyway, so I want to talk about the church um, and what is Jesus' meaning with the church. And let's see where we end up uh, tonight. But let's go to this wonderful scripture, Matthew uh, 16 and 18. On this rock, I am going to build my ecclesia. Actually, in the Greek, it's very clear that it's my ecclesia. It's not whatever ecclesia. It's my ecclesia. And what does Jesus mean when he says my ecclesia? What is ecclesia? Uh, often we hear like this that, well, um, ecclesia means the people that are called out. But I don't think that is correct if you really look around in the Bible because uh, there is a word called ekkaleo, which means uh, uh, called out, and that's the, the root word for ecclesia. But if you look at how it's used in the, in the Old Testament, in the Greek Old Testament, you see that that's not what ecclesia means. Because when Jesus said this, he didn't say it in Greek. Why should Jesus speak Greek to his 12 disciples? All of them were speaking uh, Aramaic or maybe Hebrew, but probably Aramaic. Probably Jesus said, I am going to build my kohila, my kohal. And what is kohal? Well, we cannot go to all the scriptures tonight because I don't have so much time. But if you would go to, for example, Second uh, Chronicles 20, uh, the, the story about Josaphat and the people that were attacked by uh, the Ammonites and Moabites, you will see what he did was that he called together, he mobilized, 
he mobilized all of the Kehilah or Kohal of Judah and Jerusalem. And in the Greek it says, he called together the Ecclesia. So what was Ecclesia? It was not a little group. It was not a little sect. It was not a little you know, something. It was, uh, this was actually uh, gathering the whole of the people. All of the people. Mobilizing all of the people together for what? For war. For worship. And for important decisions. So then when, when the Greek authors would think Matthew, when he's translating this, what Jesus said, he is uh, using the word ecclesia, which is also used in Greek, Greek-Roman culture, uh, for, also for the gathering of the people. So ecclesia is not a little sect. Ecclesia is the whole people, is the gathering the whole people. And this is very important. Uh, and what, what, how does he continue here? He says, I am going to build my kohal, my ecclesia, and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's so interesting when Jesus is talking two times about ecclesia, only two times in the Bible. Here and in chapter 18. And both of the times it has to do with spiritual warfare. So exactly what you were talking about. It's talking about spiritual warfare. It's talking about that the church has got the mandate. The church has got the mandate from the Lord to actually uh, refurnish the spiritual world. To actually take authority over whatever power there is that wants to dominate the church or the country or the world. Amen? Amen. So the church, I would say like this, it's it's a very aggressive vision. (laughs) Jesus is very aggressive. Because he comes to break down the kingdom of darkness. Amen. Amen. He comes to break down the kingdom of darkness. And how is he doing that? He's actually going out there in in warfare. Mm. So preaching the the gospel is warfare. And now I think this goes very well together with being a nice kononia when everyone loves one another. (laughs) It does. It does. Because we need to live in kononia. We need to live in in a warm atmosphere, Mm. sharing life, being transparent, Mm. keeping sin away Mm. in this kononia format in order to be able to wage the war. Amen. Amen. So in in Matthew uh, 18, it goes on like this, that that whatever we bind on earth is going to be permanently bound in heaven. Whatever we are losing on earth is going to be permanently loosened in heaven. This Greek word there is something permanent that's happening. So this is what Jesus is doing. And this is really, you know, something. I mean, what Jesus is saying now, when, when he says goodbye to the, to, the, uh, to the disciples, is that all authority has been given unto me. That's kind of aggressive, isn't it? 
I mean, he, all authority, all dominion has been given unto me. And now, when Jesus is about to leave, leave the, the disciples, I mean, now he knows that he's only a few weeks left when he says that I am going to build my church. Then he tells, uh, he is saying to them that when I have left, when my war on earth has left, you are going to continue waging the war. Yeah. You are going to continue to dominate the devil. And actually, there is nothing stronger than the church. There is nothing more powerful in God's plan than the church. There is no, I mean, no prayer, prayer group in the world, as you said, Jerry. It's not really the prayer group. It's not this, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. But not, not, no other thing in God's plan has so much power hallelujah. as the church. Amen. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah. Don't be too Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> hallelujah. Peace of our hand. So Jesus says, I am going to build my ecclesia. And this ecclesia is here to dominate. This ecclesia is here to invade hell. This, is, this ecclesia is here to break down all the strongholds. And we have got the authority to break down the strongholds. Yes. Amen? Amen? So uh, how, how can we see that in the New Testament? Well, if we go to, we can go to Acts 4. Um, and I think that we have the best example in the New Testament of how the church is actually executing this power. You know the story where, where the church is really attacked? And in 423 it says, uh, I think, uh, so being let go, they went to their own companions I mean, that's what Peter did. He went to see his old companions, that's the church, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised the voice. That, when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. Yes. They raised the voice to God with one accord. That is the church, isn't it? They raised the, uh, the, the really, you know, uh, were crying out to God. That's what it says, in one accord, in one accord, in one accord, in one accord. Whenever the church is, is acting in one accord, in the spirit, the devil doesn't have a little single chance to do anything. Because the church has demanded from the Lord. So here we see, and then you know the prayer, they are crying out to God etc etc and what happens when they are ready is that the whole place is shaking 31 431 and when they had prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and they spoke the word of god with boldness to me this is the best new testament example of the mobilized church the mobilized church that takes its position in the spirit and acts according to God's plan to break down the strongholds. And actually, the result was amazing. Amen? So the whole people mobilized in, uh, as one thing. So you can say that the church is really, a, a, we say in Swedish, maktfaktor, a power factor, powerhouse, a powerhouse. 
The church is a powerhouse that is able to change things in the spirit. So then is the question, how will this happen? How, how could this church be so strong? And I can say to you that I'm very impressed with what I've seen. When I've been visiting Porto Alegre, when I meet my brothers here, etc. I think you have got a tremendous gift to build strong church. Because what is a strong church? It's not a church with some nice preachers. You know, it's not the, the kind of uh, platform personalities that is a strong church. That is a misunderstanding with the mega church. I've been part of a mega church, a very strong mega church in one sense. But it was also not so, not so difficult for the devil to just break it down. Because it, it's built on one personality. Amen. What is a strong church? We will go to uh, Ephesians 1 and, and uh, 23. And all of these scriptures, I mean, uh, Janne could say to me now, ah, take something new, Anders. I know this already. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, uh, so, so uh, but, but of course you know these scriptures, but let's read them anyway. Um, because now, what is a strong church? Um, it says in Ephesians 1 and 22, Ephesians 1 and 22. And he put all things under his feet. Look at this. He put all things under his feet. Everything is under the feet of Jesus. Amen. He put all things under his feet. And he gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. The church is his body. And then it says, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Think about that. The church is the fullness of him who fills all in all. Wow. Wow. The fullness of Jesus. The fullness of Jesus. The fullness of him who fills all in all is the church. And that's what we are kind of dealing with. Amen? Amen. So, uh, really, the, 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 the strength of the church is of if, kind of if, if the, the fullness can be established and, and developed in the church. And how does that happen? Does it happen with one really good preacher or maybe uh, so-and-so? Nay, no. It's actually when every single member is strong. When every single member is strong. The fullness is when all of the body, this is Ephesians 4, when all of the body, every single part of the body is strong and has come into its function. Amen? Amen. When every, every, every member is, is, is equipped and Every member is building up the church. When every member can, can heal the sick. When every member can pray. When every member believes. When every, every member can prophesy. Because you can all prophesy. Amen? The strong church. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Wow. I mean, think about this word fullness. If you take the Greek... It's pleroma. 
Can you say pleroma? One more time. You did, you did, wasn't it not really correct? Pleroma. Amen. Pleroma. And that's really, you know, this really a full word, you know. It's so full. It's so full, you know, that word. You cannot have a fuller word than pleroma. You know, the fullness of him that fills all in all. That's where we are. Where we are. We are put into this fantastic thing that is the church. And this strong church where every member is established on the word. Where every member is, uh, uh, really knows who he and or she is in Christ. Where every member knows that he or she is equipped to do the works and to destroy the works of the devil. That's amazing. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the most powerful weapon that God has. Amen. The most powerful weapon that God has. Amen. Amen. Is there any believers in the room? Yes. And he, now, Sami was in the spirit. Yes, hallelujah. Father, I just ask you to show us this. I ask you to give the revelation to us. We are in the church business, Lord. We need to understand what we are doing. We need to understand the vision. We need to understand your vision, Jesus. What is your vision for the church? Jesus, come, paint this picture inside of me so that I can act on it and I can do what you have planned for me to do, Lord. Lord, take away all tradition and religion and crazy ideas from us. Even if this movement has some crazy ideas. I don't know really. I don't know everything about you yet. Maybe you have some, some hang-ups, you know. You have to do like this or something like that, you know. Or you have to do like this. Everyone has a hang-up. We always have a flesh. And, you know, the devil is always, when, when there is a new successful movement, movement the, the devil is training religious spirits exactly for that move, movement, you know. Now we will go in like this, and we will do like that, you know, and we'll take the power out of it. Amen? Praise God. Lord, I really want to be free. I, be, I had enough of religion. I had enough of, of you know, formal church. I want to see reality of church. But now how is this going to happen? That all the believers come into order. That all the believers are released. Of course we go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 and 11. How is this going to happen? And this is actually God's divine leadership model. This is how God ordained it. I mean, if we want to do it another way than God, okay, he lets us do it, you know. But why, why not do, like, I mean, he constructed the whole thing. He actually built the church. You know, why, why don't do like he says? He said, and he gave, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. When I talk about the ministry gifts, I always do like this. In some countries, it's so nice. I heard that. I don't know what it means, but, but I always do like this. The ministry gifts, they come from above. Yeah. 
They come from heaven. We cannot do anything about it. We can just accept, if we are ministry gifts, accept to walk into the ministry we have. And if we, we have ministry gifts among us, we just have to accept them. Amen? So that's, um, that's very important because God is ordaining this. And he, gave, he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. There is a problem in the body of Christ. And that, I don't know if you have that word in English, but some, and a friend of mine said that, well, all of the, the ministry in the church has been pasteurized. You know, they, they do that with milk. They pasteurize milk to take away, you know, some bugs and so on. And everyone is pasteurized, you know, and the whole church is pasteurized. And whatever, whoever takes a, a mic in the church, and that's, the mic is so important in the church. My vision is to have a mic in my hand <laughs> and to be seen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of vision, you know, for your life, to have a mic. It's like if you're a little singer, you know, and see some artist and you want to have a mic, you know, and you play with, as my little daughter, she did with like, you know, I hope she was taking that and, and was kind of acting like, a, you know, like a singer. And that's what the preachers are doing, you know. Anyway, so uh, pasteurized, pasteurized. No! no, that's not God's plan. That everyone is a pastor. That's not God's plan. God's plan is apostles that can have a mandate from the Lord and they can put in a foundation that works and make sure that the churches are working. Prophets that are living before him all the time, day and night, ready to hear from him and speak into the church. Pastors who love the smell of sheep and don't care so much for the mic. Evangelists. What is an evangelist? I mean, the only instruction we have is what Paul is saying to Timothy. You know? Preach the word in any situation <laughs> and rebuke people and, you know, make them to repent, take them to Calvary, make them kneel, make them cry out to God for mercy. That's an evangelist. Not those nice guys, you know, with the shows, but like Finney, you know, he didn't want, he didn't let people come forward to be saved until they were absolutely broken down. When they were desperate, you know, if you see, he's not desperate enough. He, he was sitting on the first row. This is, these are the guys that are going to be saved now. No, but sit, sitting on the first row and uh, sitting on the first row and waiting on the mercy seat, waiting till the point when they were so desperate that they were ready to come and receive. That was an evangelist and then a teacher. And the teachers are very important. Actually, the Bible says, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers. Yes. Period. I wrote an article saying this, uh, teaching about this. And I, they got so angry at me. Yeah, yeah. They got so angry at me in a charismatic church that they didn't publish the article. 
because the past wasn't included in the, in the, th the three uh, foremost ministries. Anyway, uh, so, so how is this going to happen? How are the people in the church going to be strong? Because there are ministry gifts in the church in the 12th verse for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These people are so important. These people are equipping the believers. These people are not the most important people. The ministry gifts are important, but they actually are service staff. Yes. They are only there to release the believers. Yes. I have a funny picture of this, and that is a Formula One driver, you know, you know, Formula One race. And, and you know, there's only one sitting there, and that's the believer sitting in the car. And the believer is kind of running the race. And then he stops to get fuel and new tires. Then comes the apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers. And they are as a team, you know. And they are there as a team. Oh, Rabbi Sakaya, Father, let me see, let me see the team. Let me see the team. Let me see the team together, Lord. Let me see the team together, Lord. Let me see them together. Because what's happening now is that the ministry gifts are like this. Manifesting as much as they can individually. But God's plan is this. The unity. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know all of this, but it's good to remind yourself. But called to get the people to be strong. And actually, I have a picture here, I think, if they're still alive. Uh, <laughs> because this is really about you. Now we are going to fo focusing in on you here. Because many of you are ministry gifts. Many of you are, are standing in, 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 in ministry gifts. Or some of you, maybe even tonight should accept your calling and say, I mean, do you dare to say, I'm an apostle? It was a good, nice to, to get to know uh, Jan and hear that he's an apostle and he knows it and he's working in it all the time and no problem, you know. Because in Sweden, if you say, I'm an apostle, they will probably try to kill you. <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, to, 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 to receive this, and you are the, the, the kind of the, the carrying bones in the body. The carrying bones in the body. And it's so important that you accept what your, your calling is. You say yes to your calling. I'm a prophet. Or I'm a teacher. Or I'm, I'm a pastor. But you know, uh, apostle and prophet is of course the most uh, attacked. Because they are the most important to, to build the body of Christ. And I just got a picture here about uh, this temple. If you look at the, 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 uh, the portico of Solomon. The, the, do you say portico in English? Portico of Solomon? Portico of Solomon. Look at that. You know, they, it's built on pillars. It's built on pillars. And the ministry gifts and the uh, elders and the deacons, they are pillars in the body of Christ. They are very important. They are, it's so important that you say yes to this, that you come back to this, that you refresh this. Actually, it's been happening in my life the last weeks now when I've, I've been fasting and praying. 
you shouldn't tell why you are doing it. That's not biblical, but you can tell afterwards. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, I've been seeking the Lord before this weekend, and then the Lord has just renewed my first calling to be a, a ministry of prayer and the word. Hallelujah. I see before me the European leadership that Jerry was, was sharing today about God raising up the pillars for Christianity in Europe. The, the pillars that are going to help the body of Christ to come back in Europe. And then we need to accept what calling we have. And we need to live the ministry that God has given us. And then we come into the next text. And I try to keep a little bit close to the, 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 the minutes I got for sharing this message. And, and then we come into, how will this happen then? How will this uh, ministry gift, say that you are a ministry gift now, say that you are an elder, say that you are a deacon, say that you are called to the ministry. How are you going to be fruitful? Because one thing is to be called. You can be called and lazy. I know because I've been called and lazy myself. You can be called and lazy, you can be called and you don't uh, do anything about it. Amen? And therefore we don't see much fruit. Because we have people who are called. But maybe they are lazy or they are apathic. Apathy. Apathy, you say? Apathy? Apathetic. Apathetic. You know, Sweden has... Uh, David Wilkinson came and told Sweden that you Christian, Christians in Sweden, you suffer from apathy. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. Yeah. Christians in Sweden suffer from apathy. Mm-hmm. Amen. You can have a calling, but you let discouragement rule your life. But I believe the Lord wants to renew us tonight in this area. So uh, we go to Act 6. Act 6, because I have all the time, how will this happen? How will this happen, you know? Uh, How will we have a strong church that is actually changing the power balance in the spiritual world? By building up the church so, so it's the fullness of Christ, the fullness of his presence. How is that going to happen? By raising up the ministry gifts so they can release the believers. How is that going to happen? How are the ministry gifts able to do this? Because they themselves live together with the Lord. Let's see what it says here in Acts 6. And two, you know about this with the ministry where Peter was actually standing cooking soup for the elderly women there every day, you know. And he was cooking and cooking and cooking. So, oh, he was so, had so much love, so he wanted to cook for them, you know. But one day he felt that, ah, oh, we cannot do this, you know. We don't have time to read the Bible. We don't have time to pray. And he says in the second verse... Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves. Actually, it says, proskarteruntes. And that's a favorite word in the beginning of Acts. 
when you know the people were praying before the Holy Spirit fell, they were proskarterontes. They were holding out together. They were holding out in prayer. Then Acts 2.42, they were holding out in the teaching of the apostles, the koinonia, the breaking of bread and the prayers. Holding out is a, a key quality in Acts. It's yes. a key quality in ministry Amen. to hold out. And it says, they say, so it says like this, but we will hold out continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We will hold out in prayer. We will hold out in prayer. Are you holding out in prayer? Are you giving yourself to prayer? I mean, uh, what happens here in, in Jerusalem is that when they gave this themselves to prayer and to the word, then this happened that we have in the seventh verse. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And then with this revival, you know, if priests get saved, then something has happened. So the word of God spread. And why did the word of God spread? Why did it spread? Because they were giving themselves. Yes. They were giving themselves. Amen. They were holding out in prayer. Amen. We're holding Amen. out in prayer. Amen. They skipped other things. They said, I don't have time for this and this and that. I must hold out in prayer. I must hold out in the word. In my experience, I get all the things I can share in preaching, I get in, in prayer. I pray and, and I'm before the Lord and suddenly he comes with a scripture that I never saw before or I forgot about. And then he begins to give me a Bible study. But are you holding out in prayer? I know the challenges. I have struggled. But how you, are you holding out in prayer? I mean, as my friends from Tanzania, we've been yes. together much with the Africans. I mean, that church, in, in, which is the key church for the prayer movement in Tanzania, they pray every morning between 5 and 7 every day. The prayer leader, who is always there before 5, he has one hour to walk from his chicken farm to the church, and then he prays for two hours. But the, the pastors, they go up a bit earlier. Maybe they go up three o'clock to prayer. And they are praying, and they are praying, and they are praying, and they are actually seeing changes in the country. They had a Muslim president a while ago. It was a big problem, corruption, everything. And they prayed and fasted and prayed and fasted. And what happened? they actually got a new president who is a Christian and a tough guy who is changing the country. Amen? But are you giving yourself to prayer? Are you giving yourself to the word? I mean, do we give time? Love equals time, doesn't it? Do we give time to be with the Lord? Maybe I'm preaching, uh, you know, to... Maybe you say, what is he talking about? Of course I pray a lot, you know, but... But we just need this challenge, don't we? We cannot be the ministry of the, of the word if we don't live in prayer and the word. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen.
Tack Jesus. Halleluja. You know, I, now I come to the end of, of what I want to share because you know, I've really been, honestly, I've really been seeking the Lord for this because I, I, I believe that God is, want, wants to do something in our lives tonight. Not just information, not just knowing models and stuff, which is good, but God wants to get hold of you or rather of me. God wants to get hold of me tonight. And the question I just felt that I should, should give to, to you, may, me and, and you is how much do you want to give? How much do you want to give? Before we said how much do you want? And that's one thing. You can come to a conference to, to get something. And get some information and get some nice worship and have some good fika and nice food and everything. But we are not here because of ourselves, are we? We are here to be able to give more. To be able to minister. To able to be ministers of the Spirit. To be ministers of the Spirit. To be the minister that God needs in Europe right now. God needs ministers. God needs ministers that are holding out in prayer. That are seeking God hour after hour after hour after other hour. That are coming together with a burden for the city. With a burden for the country. With a burden for the continent. Amen. That are, are getting the word of God fresh. Strong. Getting those swords that are burning out, is coming out of our mouths. Amen. The anointed preaching, the anointed teaching. Where do we get it? We get it on our knees, friends. We get it on our knees. We get it when we are hanging over the Bible. We are hanging over the Word. So, I, I really, what I felt we should do tonight is actually, I want to ask you. <laughs> And I, I feel that the Lord is asking you and me, how much do you want to give? How much do you want to give? How much do you want to give? And I think if Sami, could you play a little bit on, on the piano? Uh, I, I, I would like to invite all of you, and I will, I will be here first, I'm already here. <laughs> Uh, I want to invite all of you to, to respond to the Lord tonight. Respond to the Lord tonight. And tell him how much you want to have to give. So if you want to just, uh, God to touch you, God to uh, do something in this area now. And if you want to devote yourself in a new way to the calling you have, to the ministry you have. I encourage you to come forward here. We can kneel down here or whatever and just let the Lord uh, speak to you. Let the Lord minister to you. And he's going to hear you. He's going to hear me. He's going to do something now in your life. Maybe you need to do what I will do tonight. Because I, I felt the calling from the Lord to actually devote myself to the ministry I am called to already since I was 13 years old. 
But I know that I have kind of slipped away from that ministry. And I've been doing other things that the Lord has asked me to do, but I just felt a renewal now. I felt I want to devote myself. I want to be changed. I, I'm, I'm now putting out all empty vessels that I have. All empty vessels that I have. Lord, I want to be anointed. I want to be anointed when I read the word. Lord, I want to give myself to prayer in a new way. I want to devote myself to prayer and to the word of God. So let's just be before the Lord and just speak to him. Let him speak to you. Let him speak to you.